Welcome to Conscious Leadership Conversations with host Claudia Ferryman. Over the next hour, you'll hear from the experts on becoming a more influential and impactful leader in your organization. Now, here is Claudia. Welcome to Conscious Leadership Conversations. My name is Claudia Fairman, and I'll be discussing conscious leadership with Joanne Greco today. Joanne is a senior consultant as well as chief operations officer for a medical device company. The theme we're going to do for this episode and the next one is building resilience as a foundation for conscious leadership. So today we'll be emphasizing more of the personal uh, development skills for developing your resilience. So welcome, Joanne. Thank you, Claudia. It's a pleasure joining you today for this discussion. Wonderful. Uh, just a few words about resilience, because uh, you will see uh, through Joanne's story how much we're going to learn about resilience. But it's a capacity to effectively deal with adversity, setbacks and trauma. Um, people who are resilient. They are very good at bouncing back from setbacks and recovering and thriving. We know that resilient leaders, you know, they have to have the ability to sustain their energy level. Um, under pressure to cope with uh, disruptive changes and uh, and adapt, and we we've seen that. I think everyone's resilience was tested through uh, the COVID nineteen pandemic. Um, so resilient leaders are really great at overcoming, you know, difficult situations without necessarily engaging in dysfunctional behaviors or harming others. They know they have to work on themselves, um, and they also know that they have to. Uh, be responsible for taking care of their staff as well, safeguarding their resilience and their energy. So they often have to lead people uh, to be uh, mentors and growing their resilience. So we'll see how Joanne's story exemplifies resilience in, in many, many ways. Uh, so Joanne, we've known each other for about 15 plus years <laughs> and have worked together. We've uh, you've hired me in many of the companies you've worked in. Um, and it's uh, really exciting to hear uh, about your journey. So if you'd begin by telling us a little bit about your background in uh, your career. Sure. My, my background's in healthcare. Um, I'm a registered nurse by background, and I have my master's in health administration. And with that, I did some bedside nursing, but also moved into some progressive leadership positions most of my career. Um, I worked in the uh, government home care sector for 18 years and then moved into private home care companies um, after that for several years. And now I'm, I'm uh, managing my own consulting company called JSG Executive Consulting and provide consultation services for healthcare, developmental services, and other private and public organizations. Fantastic. So that's a very interesting uh, journey you took from being in nursing into into leadership. How did you do that? Well, the transition uh, from nursing into leadership was as a result of an injury, uh, a oh. nursing injury and uh, while working in hospital in acute care and uh, where I injured my wrist. And as a result, really couldn't handle the heavy lifting. Wow. Um, and so... I uh, discovered home care, uh, and that was a long time ago, and very, very quickly I developed a passion for home care because I could use my nursing skills, but also um, soon to develop uh, leadership skills. 
Um, and then shortly after I began in home care, a leadership opportunity came uh, became available to me on a temporary basis. And from there, my leadership career kind of progressed uh, over the years. Amazing, amazing story. Um, I, I find that it's really a story of resilience. You know, you had an injury, but you had to pivot and create a whole new career path for yourself. Um, what we know is that resilience is about that perseverance and being able to, to shift and lead from wherever they are. I always say resilient individuals know <laughs> that they don't dwell on what happened, but they know that when one door closes, another will open so um, they can capitalize on new opportunities. And you really did that well. So congratulations. That was an <laughs> Sorry about the time. injury, yes. <laughs> but congratulations. Uh, share us, uh, with us a little bit about your conscious leadership journey. Um, I can think back to when I began as a leader being new. Uh, really, my focus back then was achieving deliverables, tasks, getting things done, which I was effective in doing so. But soon uh, I found it was a lot more effective to have connection with my team. I was a peer um, prior to moving into a leadership position, so I had a lot to prove to these individuals. Mm -hmm. But getting to know them individually, helping to support their professional development, being flexible and empathetic in situations and providing coaching really made a huge difference. And over time um, and with experience, I began to realize the value in creating an environment where we are a team and succeed together. And it's not about me, it's about the team succeeding. Mm -hmm. And you know, this, this stems from having open, honest conversations, finding solutions together, really collaborating um, yes. and celebrating together. So we work hard, but we party and we have fun. Um, <laughs> and uh, as a result, relationships are quite strong, lots of respect and collaboration amongst the team, even themselves. And what I found was there was not a lot of turnover. People were very satisfied working in this environment and they flourished. That's amazing. Um, um, yep. Continue telling me a little bit about how you developed some of the leadership skills yeah. as well. Um, so developing new leaders is something I really enjoyed. I had a lot of opportunities um, to help nurture individuals who are looking to develop some of the leadership qualities. And really, I feel this is probably the most gratifying uh, part of my, uh, my journey. Um, I love investing time in people to support their learning, coaching, sharing with them, and, and teaching them to do things um, and doing things together. This way they have, they, they become more competent, they have an increase in their knowledge, and, and they, they become more confident. Um, mm -hmm. Once we get to working together, then understanding their goals and finding opportunities to help them move towards those goals is something that I was able to do. Um, and I did this a lot. It, 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 I really love it. So it wasn't considered really work. Um, and repeatedly, new leaders over time be, became their own very strong leaders that were confident, capable, and they began to progress in their career. Even 30 years later, I still have individuals that contact me and thank me for the opportunity to support their um, their leadership. One of my favorite stories is... Um, yes an admin assistant that supported me in one of my roles who was quite in, new to the, the sector. 
Uh, but I kind of took her under my wing and she began to work very closely with me in, in overseeing some very significant projects and um, just dealing with all of the challenges associated. And as a result, years later, even to, to today, um, she is a very senior project manager who has done very well for herself. And, um, and when we discuss it, she talks about just the exposure and some of the tools that she learned uh, by working together. Wow. Yeah. Really, really amazing. Um, I can't say enough about the importance of leaders building leaders, right? We we see now in, uh, especially in the sector that I do a lot of work in, a not-for-profit sector, mm -hmm. as a result of the COVID pandemic, there was what we call the mass resignation, the mass retirement. <laughs> you know, a lot of people moved on to different roles. Yep. And suddenly... There are individuals who have never done leadership who are suddenly been promoted into leadership. And a lot of the work I've been doing uh, in the sector is running um, around doing catch up work for emerging leaders. And they're finding that uh, that middle layer are really, really afraid of this new role that they just got thrown into. So um, you have done some really great work in helping you know, new leaders develop their skills. And I think conscious leaders are always looking to pay it forward. They are always looking to build other uh, individuals and their capacity for leadership. I also know in the not-for-profit sector, um, there's a huge issue around succession, uh, which is going to be, I think, in the next five years, some critical issues will have to be dealt with in terms of building the next generation of of leaders. So uh, kudos to you for doing your part <laughs> on I, that. I would agree. I mean, in, on an individual basis, it's very important to cultivate new leaders and give them the tools they need to be successful. But that comes along with creating a culture um, where team members work together. It is not competitive, but rather collaborative and people are connected and they have the same uh, vision, the same drive and, and really innovative. And a lot of the ways to, you know, many of the, many of the individuals that have been very successful in becoming leaders, it's by providing them regular feedback, recognition, yes. um, and including them in decision-making so that people can uh, safely make mistakes, learn from them and move forward. So that positive work environment is incredibly important. Yes. Yes. Um, I also would comment on the fact that, you know, many organizations have had a challenge in maintaining their culture with the remote work that has happened, right? And um, I'm sure you've experienced something of this sort in your um, leadership roles. Uh, so can you tell us a little bit about how you managed virtual teams uh, when when that happened, when the pandemic happened? Uh, absolutely. I think, uh, thank God we have video conferencing now um, and, and it became very prevalent during COVID. Um, and for me, I started a new role right at the beginning of COVID. So virtual, virtual meetings were the only way for me to connect with all of my uh, direct reports. And so for the first year of that role, I had not met anyone in person. And the challenge with virtual is, is it's very effective because you get to see the person, but we often 
um, make them co- kind of transactions because we usually book meetings back to back because there's no travel. Yes. Um, so there isn't any real time for socializing, getting to know people. Um, and, you know, as a result of that, I made a decision as soon as I could get out, <laughs> I went to meet my uh, the directors in person and it made a huge difference. They get to know you as a person in a more equalized environment, less transactional. And, you know, really, uh, I think that fostered a, a huge um, a positive environment for team building, for the team actually working a lot closer together. And it was a lot more fun being in person rather than video conferencing as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think everyone in the world right now is trying to find that good balance between when do we still use technology to do all our meetings mm-hmm. uh, and when do we meet face to face? I believe as and I believe you, too, because we've had this conversation. Yep. We need both. We have to have right. a face to face still, because um, ultimately a lot of things that happen when we're energetically together, I'll say, physically together. Uh, We find that the free flow of the synergies of people being able to bounce ideas, um, spontaneous generation of new ideas, that happens much more when we're together. You know, creativity, I think, is enhanced by being in proximity to each other. Um, As you mentioned, Joanne, the virtual world is, is so as you say, transactional. And one of the things that I've been recommending to a lot of organizations who are still doing things primarily virtually is to ensure that they build in five, 10 minutes um, at the beginning of their meetings, you know, pad it with a little extra time so people can arrive a little early or leave a little, you know, um, time to, to chit chat, right. And talk, with each other. I often begin a lot of meetings when I do workshops with individuals. We have like a, a five minute round robin of, you know, how are you feeling today? And you rate your emotions from one to 10 and we have them drop it all in the chat and then we'll do a fun exercise. And then I'll say, so where's your emotion now? And they'll drop another number. So even if it's, you have tight time, having a way to check in another way I ask people just drop uh, a word that describes your emotion in this moment, right? And it's it's really fun. And people begin to engage a little differently. So we can improve the team building by building in time to do that on virtual meetings. It's just that the other stuff, the natural creativity that doesn't show up as easily when we're online, right? So... During COVID, I actually, uh, we, we implemented um, 15 minutes each Monday just to catch up. Um, and it was not really about work. How was the weekend? And then people would talk about any pressures they might be having. But really, it was an opportunity for people just to catch up on a personal basis because we didn't have that time. Um, and it made a huge difference. It brought the team much closer together. Um, and, you know, what we ended up also, I, as a result of that, people started to using use the chat feature within the group and talk to each other and uh, ask questions, get advice. And it was very, very, um, although, you know, linear in, in communication with chatting, it still was a lot more effective than being by yourself. So Wonderful. Good. Wonderful. So in the seven principles of um, conscious leadership, um, Increasing your self-awareness is is one of the number one principles. And 
you've had to do that as a leader. Can you share a little bit about that? Uh, yes, my my level of self-awareness has evolved and continues to evolve as my career progresses. I, I don't think we're ever done learning about ourselves. Um, I learn a little bit more about myself in turning, you know, what my strengths are, what my weaknesses are, values, what triggers me. And I think being open to feedback from others, whether it's positive, constructive, um, all of those things, uh, they really help to shape who you are and understand who you are. Um, I, you know, it's it's a continuous journey on reflecting and learning about myself and um, being aware of what's important um, in terms of being able to self-regulate um, and to be able to manage my triggers is also an important aspect because everybody does have triggers, unfortunately, where mm -hmm. you feel a bit more emotional or something gets to you. Yes. And what you were saying about self-awareness and your triggers in um, emotional intelligence, self-awareness and self-regulation are two key factors. We find that it's very hard to be good at self-regulation if you don't have that higher level of self-awareness. You know, when you know what something is triggering for you, it's more likely that you can catch yourself and, you know, mitigate the situation. Um, later on, we'll talk a lot more about uh, in, in subsequent sessions about reacting versus responding, right? And so when we are self-aware, we're able to do that, right? I agree. I mean, I think it's a, it is a, a tool that you need to embrace and and be comfortable with and um, understand. You know what your values are. And for for me, honesty is incredibly important. And at one point, I was in a role where there was a lot of dishonesty, lots of disparaging other people that were very committed, and um, I found it very distressing and uncomfortable to work in that environment and made a conscious decision to move on. Um, so, you know, it, it just got to the point where it was not uh, effective to be in that environment and affecting your mental health, affecting your physical health. Um, and so you make change uh, yes. to, to realign your values, I suppose. Wow. Amazing. I, I do recognize, too, that in leadership, um, being vulnerable is so important as well, because when you show you can be a vulnerable leader, uh, conscious leaders recognize that you're literally signaling to others that it's okay. It's okay for you to be vulnerable, to talk about what's not working for you um, transparently. Um, and I use a really interesting term, um, No, there's no failure, only feedback, mm -hmm. right? And uh, I really do believe that indeed, you know, everything we encounter and experience is an opportunity to learn. I would agree. I think fundamental to being vulnerable is having a safe environment to be vulnerable in. Um, and if you're lucky enough to work in, in an organization or an environment that supports that, then that's fantastic. Then vulnerability is possible. I'm the first to recognize I'm not perfect and I make mistakes, I make errors, and I will openly acknowledge my error, apologize if it has offended or has, you know, the result has been negative. But I learned from it, and uh, it's it's a continuous journey, as I said, uh, regardless of my position, whether I'm the COO or the VP or whatever your role is, we all make mistakes. So, and, and, and creating an environment where it's okay 
for people to acknowledge errors and learn from them is a, a way that an organization continues to learn and leaders begin to learn. Um, one, one of the things, Claudia, that I, um, you know, often had to deal with was uh, uh, one of the weaknesses is the pace of my work. I, I just I work very quickly and not everybody works in that manner. And so I learned very quickly that I had to acknowledge and manage expectations. Just tell people, although I'm sending this to you, I don't need you to respond to it immediately. <laughs> and so managing those expectations takes the pressure off people so they're not feeling, you know, like they're being uh, asked to do something beyond what they can. Yeah. That's a continuous journey, like learning about leadership, learning about what's, you know, what is out there um, and self-learning as a human, as a human being and as a leader continues every single day. Agree, agree. What you just mentioned about, you know, making sure people don't think you should be answering at the time. Uh, everyone who knows me knows that I will send a 2 a.m. message. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I remembered with uh, team members, I started to recognize that holy smokes maybe they think i want them to you know have my crazy hours and i was very transparent about saying you know if i send you a message at 2 a.m i don't expect a response yes. you know until when you are having your work day and i've noticed now at the bottom signature line of mm -hmm. a lot of people, they're saying, my work day might be different than yours. You know, yes, exactly. we now have a disclaimer, which yes. which is which is wonderful, because I think we've learned now how many little subtle things we do that help uh, or affect people's mental health. Mm -hmm. And there's so much uh, burnout and mental health issues now, sick leaves. So all the small things and behaviors that could signal to someone else, I want you to be doing this the same pace as me, we really have to watch that and setting standards. You know, I've recently talked to a manager who she's very high performing and her standard of work, she has to elevate her team. And she was saying to me, Claudia, you know, I don't know how I'm gonna manage these the staff, I have to check their work. And I said to her, here's here's one thing I know. If if you have to check their work, then they need more coaching and development because mm -hmm. that's not your job, you know? And and I think it's one of those things where you think that's obvious, but sometimes our standards and the standards of the team aren't the same or the skill sets aren't the same. So continuous learning is so, so important. Um, and a lot of what you've illustrated just now talking about continuous learning and the importance of that, um, really believe that conscious leaders recognize that they're constantly learning, growing, and it's self-learning. You can't wait for your organization to set up a formal training for you. You take it um, under your own wing and you start planning, how are you gonna learn and grow? to be a better leader. Talk a little bit about some of the pivotal moments that shaped your understanding of conscious leadership. Um, I, there's a couple, um, a couple of really profound influences, I would say. One is my grade five, six teacher. I was lucky to have him for two years in a row. Um, he you. was a huge supporter and really constantly challenging me to academically um, and also encourage me to, to complete my work with excellence. He used to always say that. Nice. So 
Yeah, and this passion for doing things better and being creative were foundational elements that shaped me into the person and the leader I am today. So I strive for excellence and I don't settle for mediocrity. That is my personal drive. Um, and going the extra mile um, is really important. And I feel like my work represents who I am. So I do take uh, special attention, pay special attention to the work that I'm doing. And I think he had, Mr. B had a big impact on on uh, my on who I am today as a leader. Mm -hmm. And the other person, Claudia, was... Um, at the time, uh, she was the CEO of the home care organization I worked at, um, an incredibly inspirational leader who immigrated uh, to this country at a young age and worked uh, at basic entry-level positions in hospitals and worked her way up. Um, and that, as a result of her strong drive and her motivation, her she she progressed her career to the point of being a very influential uh, CEO, but also uh, quite an influential figure at the government and even provincial uh, and federal government levels. She was always very fair, very honest, had mm -hmm. strong values, and she cared about the staff. And I think that's what I learned the most from her is that she took the time to walk around, talk to frontline staff, ask them wow. how their children are, make those personal connections, all this while she's creating system level change and impacting government policy. Wow. And she brought people together. People felt very valued uh, and passionate about making changes. And she was never afraid of making the not so popular decisions <laughs> uh, that were informed, but um, they were different than everybody uh, else wanted to, uh, you know, the direction that everybody else was going in. And she stood by her team. Um, even today, she's quite widely respected and she continues to be an activist for social change and health equity. And I think she had a huge impact on how I connect with people. That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, if you were to summarize one or two qualities that you think, you know, it just appears that some leaders just have some qualities that make us want to you know, be led by them, right? Yeah, I would say uh, she probably, the, the strongest quality I would say is just her, her level of integrity. Mm -hmm. um, um, and she was an incredibly knowledgeable woman from experience. And when she spoke, she did speak with great integrity. Um, and she was very well respected as a result of that. Um, I would say that's mm -hmm. probably her her strongest quality. Very nice. Um, we're going to be coming up to a break very soon, but we we have a couple minutes here. I was just going to say that I look at many of the leaders from my personal experience as well, and the ability to inspire was a really big one. Mm -hmm. uh, are they inspirational, even in just how they care? They show how they care about you. Um, and that inspiration created motivation, right? So um, we're going to talk a little bit more about this when we come back from the break. So please join us after the break as we talk about conscious leadership. And we're going to talk some tools and strategies as well. So see you back in a few minutes. 
Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. In the cacophony of modern leadership, where uncertainties loom large and the pace of change is relentless, the need for conscious leadership has never been more crucial. Let's embark on a journey to explore the essence of conscious leadership, unraveling the threads that weave resilience and empathy into the fabric of influential leaders. Tune in to Conscious Leadership Conversations with Claudia Ferryman, Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Conscious Leadership Conversations with Claudia Ferryman. Have a question for Claudia or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5789. That's 866-472-5789. Now back to the show. Welcome back. So we just spoke about a really great leader who was very um, impactful in Joanne's career. And I just wanted to talk a little bit about the change in your career trajectory since the pandemic. Um, tell us what's, what's happening. Sure. Um, so uh, a change that was really unplanned, I've moved to being self-employed. Um, the change uh, occurred and really was unplanned as a result of restructuring um, uh, post-COVID. So many organizations in the sector I w was working in were very, very hard hit um, as a part of COVID, as a result of COVID and really didn't recover as quickly as planned, took a lot longer. And so had to make some decisions on restructuring their organization to uh, support the, the impact. 
Um, so as a result, I was restructured out of my role along with uh, several other people. Um, and it was devastating. Mm. The, the, the loss of this job, which I love very much, um, yes. uh, was devastating. However, I had allowed it to consume me for years. Oh, wow. And oh, wow. I had lost my identity as a person and as a leader. Um, it was a, a very a challenging role that I loved, but as I said, was quite demanding. So it took a while, uh, a lot of uh, several months of hard work and self-reflection and a lot of support from other people and encouragement. Uh, and soon I was able to recognize that I do have strengths um, and I reaffirm my values and set some new goals for myself. And um, shortly uh, after this reflection period, I started to learn who I was again and mm -hmm. uh, reprioritize re things in my life. Um, <laughs> so how long would you say that this period of reflection uh, went on? I, I would say probably about four four or five months, uh, maybe yes. even, yeah. And and as a result of taking that time, I had never done this. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, not I, in a long period of time. I know you well. <laughs> yes. But it was a very difficult, uh, yet uh, very positive outcome um, where I became this stronger human being. I realized I care about people very deeply and I like the work that I'm doing and I like variety in the work that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. um, and I have work-life balance for the first time in 30 years. <laughs> wow. I've never had uh, for, for that many years, yes. Wow. Uh, that's an amazing turnaround, and I'm I'm so happy you were able to achieve this wonderful milestone of enhancing work-life balance. You know, every organization um, uses those words, and I think everyone is challenged to figure out what does it really mean and what how do I really do it. We're getting better at work-life balance, but the, we still have a long journey, I think, to go. Um, this is what resilience is all about, is what you just discussed uh, about looking at your life, reviewing what happened, you know, and often a change in something we really enjoy or love can cause that devastation that you felt, right? Mm -hmm. And yet we know that when we are resilient, we're going to persevere. We're going to look past what just happened as I talked about earlier, we're going to start to look at how can I build um, a good self-care plan, which is essential in resilience, a self-care plan that takes care of my mind and my body, you know, and my emotions. Uh, I believe more and more people are recognizing what it is that they need to remain uh, strong, uh, resilient human beings. They're, they're maintaining their energy levels. Um, because very, very important now for us to really manage uh, our mental health. There's a really interesting quote I love. Uh, Leonard Cohen is a poet songwriter. Mm -hmm. He says, uh, there's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. And this quote for me is very exemplary of what resilience is about. You know, life does throw us adversity. Resilient individuals know that and they know they get ready and they have a plan and they get to work through that plan when things happen. Um, they don't dwell. So it took you a few months, but you actually came through it, which is fantastic. 
I think so, I would. I think I would add, yeah. Claudia, that um, to be able to, you know, get through something as as difficult as that. Um, ha having the time to self-reflect is important, but also having the support of others surrounding you and um, going. It's it's not an easy time to go through, but having that encouragement, support, and help helping you kind of rebuild yourself um, yes. is incredibly important. And um, you know, taking the time to figure out who you are again, because you can become very lost um, in mm -hmm. very high demanding jobs, which are often the case with leadership. Yes. You just made a, a phenomenal comment about having others around you. Mm -hmm. Many, many studies around resilience have shown that positive, healthy connections with other people is one of the most powerful tools for resilience. And so in the resilience program that I've been teaching for the last three, four years, I emphasize having um, a mastermind group is the old fashioned word we used to we used to call it having people around you who are both combination of mentors, people who can help you troubleshoot through things, both personally and professionally, having um, healthy relationships with family and friends who are there for you. You know, you need someone to vent <laughs> um, who is not going to judge or criticize you. It's important to have a gentle human beings around us who will listen, who will give us empathy, who will show us kindness and love and caring. These are all important aspects of what I call the connection that we need in resilience. So really I, I, wonderful that you had these people around you. I like the word gentle. I think that's a really um, a very underused word in, in the fact that people need to be gentle with themselves because you can be pretty hard on yourself when something like this happens and start questioning who you are. But with the support of others, a, a strong network, plus being gentle with yourself, uh, and you can come through it and stronger than you were before. Yes. Uh, gentleness with yourself and others around you. Yep. I always say to everyone, um, we have two kinds of teachers. <laughs> we have uh, the sacred teacher, and I know that the term is is going to seem strange when I say who that teacher is. That's the one that brings us the hard lessons, you know. Mm -hmm. And and sometimes we uh, we don't want to listen to those hard lessons, but they're sometimes the best learning. The important thing, though, is. I still think a sacred teacher needs to be gentle, right? Right, agreed. Um, and also we need the encouraging teacher who can really bring out the qualities that they see in you. They can they share that with you. And, you know, I, I've I found that I kind of land in that <laughs> in that camp. <laughs> You've known me. Yes, <laughs> I have. The, Yes. The, the, the gentle teacher. And sometimes I, I probably should have been harder, but uh, um, but we do have to recognize that, uh, you know, learning will come in different shades and different colors. And we need to um, hopefully engage with these individuals. One thing I will say, though, is if you have someone who's harsh and who um, make you feel less than or belittles you, then you don't want that kind of a teacher. You you want to kind of say next <laughs> and move on. So uh, be cautious with who you have in your circle is all I, I want to recommend. 
I would agree too. And I think um, one of the other lessons that I learned through this journey was that um, the supports and individuals around me just really what I needed was to be reminded about yes. what about uh, what I really wanted, you know, what what were my values, what was important to me, because I'd forgotten about that when you're just so in the moment and working um, in a very demanding role, you forget those, uh, those aspirations. So it was a wonderful kind of emergence of um, relearning who I was again. Yes, you you just hit on the importance of that self-reflection right what happens in our busy days we've we go from one thing to the next one task to the next you you kind of fall into bed most of our sleep is not even uh, restful because you're still ruminating in your sleep <laughs> we get up exhausted um i will be talking more about using my mindfulness to be able to have a very restful sleep but what happens is with all this activity that's packed our days, we have no time to think or self-reflect. And I've been recommending to leaders, you have to have white space in your calendar. Mm -hmm. White space, they're like, oh, there's a name for it. Yes, we make a name for everything. <laughs> white space means there's nothing. And like, okay. And if you don't have white space in your calendar, you're probably not doing some of the critical thinking necessary to problem solve in the most effective way. Um, you're probably not having that time to sit and self-reflect. And guess what happens? We forget. We forget who we are. We forget what's important. We, we objectify the workplace and it's all transactional and we lose the humanity in the workplace. So what you just shared about having people around you who reminded you of this is who you are. This is what you valued when you walked into these roles and you, you got that from family and friends and colleagues, they're there to remind us because we haven't reminded ourselves. And a, one of the most important aspects of conscious leadership is this reflection on who am I, where am I, what am I doing, am I living my values, is an essential piece of what we need to do as conscious leaders. Great. So I agree with you more. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about an impactful quote that helped to influence your conscious leadership journey. Um, sure. So it's a quote by Jack Welsh. He's the chair and chief executive of General Motors. And he says, before you are a leader, success is all about growing yourself. Mm -hmm. When you become a leader, success is all about growing others. And, uh, for me, this is very profound. Uh, I feel I feel like this is what I enjoy doing as a leader is growing other people, finding opportunities for others to to uh, become le leaders and paying it forward, essentially. Wonderful. I can't emphasize the importance of leaders building leaders. We've said it earlier in the show. I'll, I'll keep harping on it because it's absolutely essential now more than ever, because we are living in, we call it VOCA times, volatility, uncertainty, chaos, and ambiguity. And the VOCA world that we're living in means that there are not a lot of opportunities for people to have certainty and consistency. There's constant change. 
And leaders are the individuals who will take risk to try to carve a path for others. Mm -hmm. That's the key. And the idea that we're going to need at every single layer of our organizations, really competent leaders is, I think, essential for us to really succeed in our organizations as well as succeed on, on the planet, for sure. Great. So as a conscious leader, how would you measure your impact on your organization and the community? Um, when I reflect on success, it's really not the number of projects or programs or how many millions of dollars that you know you generated for the company as a result. Rather, it's the journey and the sustainable, positive changes that I've made along the way. So for me, it's creating a culture where staff feel valued and they feel connected and we have a shared purpose. Yes. Um, it's supporting innovative ideas. For me, um, hearing people say, well, we've always done it this way is not something that... Um, that works very well. I encourage people to bring ideas forward, being positive about accepting those ideas and being open to different possibilities. Mm -hmm. I would also say supporting leaders and encouraging them to be engaged and creating a really cohesive team where people respect each other, help each other, um, and essentially, you know, becoming a, a single unit of, of some very talented people. Um, and just like we were talking about paying it forward, cultivating leaders, wherever the opportunity is. And sometimes it can be frontline staff who are looking for an opportunity um, to lead within the realm of their uh, their their uh, their roles, yeah, their roles, their group of individuals that they work for. So it's, leaders can be at all levels is what I what I'm saying. Um I would say the other very important thing I feel that I've been able to to do is create some psychological safety where people can be vulnerable and you create a safe environment where people can have difficult conversations, talk about what is not working for them. Um, and that's incredibly important. And I think that has a, a big impact on turnover. People feel uh, like they have a place and they're safe, then they tend to stay. Um, and lastly, I would say that network, the supporters, both internal, external, family, mm. colleagues, um, having call, having that network that is uh, built on mutual respect and, and collaboration, which is really important. Excellent. I think we talked about it earlier that one of the things we see from having this level of leadership where you do have a psychological safe environment is that retention is is increased. Yep. Recently, a project I was working on, talking to hundreds of individuals across Ontario around recruitment and retention, especially in the social, social services sector, we learned that often people were thinking, how do we attract more people? How do we attract more people? They kept saying their problem was recruitment. And it was interesting that through the study, <laughs> um, we found out that people were walking out the other side of the door. And so I was working with a colleague um, and we both sat down together. We said, OK, wait a second. Obviously, recruitment is an issue. We wouldn't deny that because there's staff shortages. But 
if we're not keeping the ones we have, <laughs> then I think we have a, bit, a little bit of a problem because we've trained and invested in them and they've been here maybe a couple of years or 10 years, right? We don't want them walking out the door if it's not time for them to retire, let's say. And uh, I had this motto, I kept saying, if we train them, we should retain them. And, and so we were losing people from the sector. So we started to emphasize retention. And one of the things we learned was that during the um, COVID pandemic, we recognized something from various studies that said the thing that employees wanted the most were their one-on-one -on -one conversations with their direct manager. That became so, so important. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting how many people were not having one-on-ones anymore. They were like, oh, well, do it next week. They kept canceling and re, you know, mm -hmm. rescheduling. And what you're signaling to your employees that, guess what? You're not as important as that other thing in my calendar, right? right. And so we kept saying for consistency, for helping people to feel psychological safety, which, by the way, comes from consistency, which comes from knowing what's going on. The fear of the unknown is what makes most people, you know, feel unsafe. So by me, those one-on-one -on -one meetings were a way for frontline staff to, to really keep ahead of the game a little bit by having someone they could talk to who they feel knows what's going on. Mm -hmm. And those managers would say, Claudia, I don't have answers for them. I said, you don't have to have answers. The fear of not having your one-on-ones because you don't have answers isn't a good excuse. You still need to meet with them. Just being there to say you care, listen to them, um, their challenges. Often it's a simple fix in some cases. Sometimes it's harder. But having someone to listen and hear what's happening with them will build that culture that feels safe for them. So what you brought up here uh, many of those points are so relevant in terms of how do we build really, really great cultures. So we have been chatting so much about different things, how you've learned in your journey, a uh, nice quote that had an impact on you. Are there any books and resources that you have used, you found helpful along the journey, so that our listeners could also, you know, run out and buy some good tools? <laughs> Go ahead. I would say there's a, I mean, I've read lots of different books, but a couple that stand out at this point in my life, I would say. Um, one of them is called The Monk Who, the Monk Who Sold His Ferrari by Robin Sharma. Mm. And I read this book a few times. It's not a huge book, but it's, it's a really profound book. It has some really strong messages and concepts that help you bring greater balance and control over your life. And that's what I really needed uh, this past year and a half, I would say. And um, it's a valuable resource really for personal growth and self-improvement. And there's a really a, a couple of really neat quotes that I think um, I really enjoy. So one of them was, life doesn't always give you what you ask for but it always gives you what you need. And in my case, <laughs> it sure did that. Um, and the, la the second quote is, never regret your past, rather embrace it as, uh, as the teacher that it is. And also the journey that we go through, bad and good, you learn from it, it is a teacher. Um, and so that's, that's the monk who sold us Ferrari. Yes. 
Uh, a second one is Dare to Lead. I think people are very familiar with Brene Brown. Uh, she's written a lot of very, uh, very excellent books. Uh, but this one in particular just speaks to taking responsibility for recognizing the potential in people um, and encouraging mm -hmm. them to develop the potential, which is really core to, core to what I, I do as a leader, what I find most uh, rewarding. And this book speaks about, you know, how you can do that effectively. Wonderful. It's, it's interesting what you said about life gives us what we need, not what we want. <laughs> yes, <it is. laughs> oh, darn it. <laughs> I always say, give me what I want. <laughs> and I want, I want what I need too. But it's interesting because you talked about how losing that job was very impactful on you, right? And obviously you probably didn't want that. However, it's funny how the fact that you actually had that experience, you got something you never had in 30 years, which was work-life balance, which is not only something you really wanted, but you needed. Mm -hmm. And that experience actually allowed you to create something you've, you've always wanted. So definitely um, we can have what we want in such very interesting ways. So I want to thank you very much. I want to summarize a few things we talked about as we come towards the end of our show. Um, we talked about experiencing setbacks and the importance of resilience, how resilience is our ability to bounce back and learn from our experience. It's both recognizing that this challenge that I'm having isn't forever and I can actually get over it. I love that you've done that throughout your career, both changing from nursing because of an injury and then losing an important job. Leaders who show that they're vulnerable signal to everyone else that vulnerability is okay, that we're all human, we grow together. There's no failure, only feedback. Uh, such an important, very, very important lesson, which is we can allow people to be human. You don't have to be perfect. Why? Because to be honest, I do a lot of executive coaching. Nobody's perfect, <laughs> especially our leaders. They're always growing and learning. I just, I always say as a leader that the one thing I have above others is just, I want to take more risks, <laughs> but I'm still learning like everyone else, right? Um, building our self-awareness is essential because that's how we're going to know how to self-regulate and to build a life that is in line with what we want. And self-reflection is a powerful tool for that. Conscious leaders recognize the importance of continuous learning, and they're always doing it. A key, um, just in our last few seconds, a poem I really love, William Ernest Henley says, um, I am the master of my faith, and I'm the captain of my soul. And conscious leaders are always focusing on how I can build myself up because I know I have a duty to build others up. So this poem, Invictus, is really teaching us that we are indeed the person who has to captain our own ship and figure out how we're going to best lead because we're growing and learning ourselves. So thank you very much, Joanne. Love that you join me today. We'll see you again next week as we continue our conversation on conscious leadership.
Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Conscious Leadership Conversations with Claudia Ferryman. We hope you have a wonderful week and join us next week 